0: Well, good morning, church family. Welcome to our version of worship, if you will. We are glad that you are joining with us today on a a beautiful Sunday, and uh, we are delighted that we get to share time together in the Word. Uh, I want to just encourage you before we get started. Today, we're going to be doing something a little different, which is starting to become our norm. Uh, This morning, as we walk through God's Word together, uh, I'm going to be intentional about putting a few more questions in there for you to hit pause and discuss with the people that you're there with. You might be with your family, uh, you might be there with your spouse, uh, you might be there with your children, um, you might be sitting there by yourself, and even if you're by yourself, I encourage you to take some time to hit pause to to think about the answers to these questions. How would you answer these questions? How would you, uh, What would be your response in these? So, as we walk through our time together this morning, um, there's going to be times where, where I ask you to hit pause and answer these questions. The questions will be on the screen. Uh, and literally, you just hit pause and discuss it in, in full length. With the people that you're there with. And whenever you're ready, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, just hit unpause and we'll continue on with the message this morning. But today is meant to be interactive with the people that you're there with. So uh, today uh, I want us to talk about, as we discuss in just a minute, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a wonderful time of celebration that kicks off Holy Week. And as you remember, We celebrate Palm Sunday a very unique way around here, Palm Sunday. So it's Palm Sunday. So find someone to celebrate Palm Sunday with real quick and we'll keep going. Uh, Actually, we're going to keep going as you celebrate Palm Sunday, but we're talking about Palm Sunday today and that's where we're going to be in God's word. That's where we're going to be discussing. That's the questions that are built up around that. But before we get into Palm Sunday, I want to get you to think about something. I want you to consider these things. Have you ever had one of those once in a lifetime moments? You know what I mean. Have you ever had one of those uh, moments that that was something you were a part of, or or somebody you got to meet, maybe, or or something you did, or something you got to see? And you're like, man, that was that was a once in a lifetime moment. Or maybe maybe your once in a lifetime moment is something that you kind of want to do, or you want to see happen. You kind of kind of like, and I wrote wrote this down so. so if you made this statement, if I ever get a chance to blank, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to be a part of it. So you know, what is that once-in-a-lifetime moment that you would like to see happen? And that's, that's our first question this morning uh, is, is for us to consider. What, is the, what, is, what are one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments that you've ever lived through and experienced? Or what is one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments that if it ever came around, if you ever had the opportunity, you would take it, you would do it. So I want you to hit pause and to discuss that question with the people that are gathered. What, or describe your once-in-a-lifetime moment? You ready to keep going? Now you fully discussed it, right? You really unpacked it. Now you have something that you know a little bit more about, about the people in the room. I want us to keep going. For me, I have several answers to that question. What was my once in a lifetime moment? Um, There are several things that qualify. I remember uh, several years ago, I got to stand in the Red Square in Moscow. Uh, It was kind of a surreal thing being a history buff. I I really uh, love history. Uh, So when I was standing in the Red Square and seeing those buildings and seeing uh, and remembering the history that took place in that in that it was it was very very cool. It was one of those once in a lifetime moments to be in Moscow. I remember uh, even before that going to Brazil and seeing the Southern Cross, uh, which is uh, it's, it's stars and it's really cool and it can only be seen from the Southern Hemisphere. And it was really neat to see the Southern Cross. Once those once in a lifetime. I remember one time I was invited inside Bobby Sandoval's house, and it was just, wow, one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments that's like, that probably will never come back around again. And and when you think about some of the ways you answer the question, what is one of your once-in-a-lifetime things, they aren't exactly once-in-a-lifetime things. I mean, let's be honest, there might be a chance one day that I might be back in the Red Square. Or, or I might be in the Southern Hemisphere again someday and see the Southern Cross again. So while I say, hey, those were once-in-a-lifetime moments for me, I, I'm not planning on going back to Moscow or, or any of those things. It could happen, uh, but, but for me, that was one of those things It's like, man, I'll probably never get to see this or do this again. But for someone else, it might be something that they do regularly. Of course, you also have, you know, taking it one step further in this once-in-a-lifetime mentality, it might be one of those things where, yeah, your answer was, was very much one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments that it had, to, it had to happen at the exact day, at the exact time, at the exact minute, like where the stars aligned type thing, you know? And maybe, maybe that was your once-in-a-lifetime, that truly it was a once-in-a-lifetime moment. While we've talked about today is Palm Sunday, today is April the 5th. Of 2020, uh, and my once-in-a-lifetime moment—that's kind of like, man, one thing you can never go back and do it again. You can never recreate it. Was literally 18 years ago today was the very first time I ever laid eyes on my wife. Now she wasn't my wife then, for the record. Uh, but 18 years ago was today was the first time I ever laid eyes on Amanda, uh, and it was. It was over then. It was ballgame, you know, and it was, it was great. One of those once-in-a-lifetime moments. You can't recreate that. You can't go back and have that moment happen again. So once-in-a-lifetime moments are very unique, they're very cool, and they're very memory-driven. But, but perhaps your once-in-a-lifetime moment, like we talked about a minute ago, maybe it hadn't happened yet. Maybe your once-in-a-lifetime moment is, is one of those things where... Um, maybe it's like a dream or, or maybe it's it's a it's a hope for the future or something Be like man that's what I want to see happen. Yeah, that's what I hope happens and and man hang on to those things and there's nothing wrong with those things I I encourage you that if if you're once in a lifetime moment that you're looking to the future for man I encourage you man take those to the Lord take those before God and say hey God um is there any way that that you could use this to glorify your name in my life and maybe God leads you to it maybe God opens the door for that maybe he doesn't Um, but don't be afraid to hang on to those once-in-a-lifetime moments and ask how God can use it for His glory. I want us to consider these once-in-a-lifetime moment events as we dive into our passage today, uh, which also leads us to our second question that I want to ask of you. Before we get into the the text of the Scriptures, I want you to take a few minutes with the people that you're gathered there with to describe the events of Palm Sunday. I want you to take a few minutes with your family and friends or whoever you're with to describe just just kind of spitball it man y'all or like kind of talk about it remembering the events when Jesus had the triumphant entry into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. I want you to take a few minutes, hit pause and discuss just from memory, don't use your bibles, don't use your phones, just discuss from memory what you remember about the events of the triumphant entry. All right now hopefully there was a kind of a picture painted there and the reason I wanted to do that before we read the text is because when we kind of collectively throw out everything we know or remember about a passage of scripture and then when we turn and look at it in God's word the things that we left out from our memory or the things maybe we didn't even know about kind of get highlighted a little bit clearer for us and it kind of leaves a more lasting impression in our minds. So I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, Luke chapter 19 as we read the story of when Jesus, the account of when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Now what's unique about the triumphant entry is is there is an account of Jesus arriving into Jerusalem uh, on Palm Sunday in all four gospels. Uh, but today, we're going to take the, the account that we have in the book of Luke and look at that. But you can hold it to some of the other things. and We're going to reference some of the other accounts of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Are you there? Luke chapter 19? Good. Well, let's, let's read uh, Luke's account of what happened on that Palm Sunday, beginning in verse 28. It says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them as they were untying the colt its owners asked them why are you untying the the colt they replied the lord needs it they brought it to jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put jesus on it as he went along people spread their cloaks on the road When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. What an amazing scene. What a, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful imagery. Probably many of you, as you talked about the events of, the, of Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry, you probably brought out a lot of these truths and facts that were in there. But look at what was declared when Jesus rode into the city on this donkey. Luke tells us that the people proclaimed, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mark records in his account that they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Matthew's account says they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. John says in his account that they shouted, blessed is the king of Israel. And I don't want us to look back and be like, well, why did these four accounts have four different things? Man, can you imagine? This wasn't a cheerleading unit. This wasn't something where they all had rehearsed everything. When Jesus was entering into this city, when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, man, the people were excited. And they were shouting, and they weren't saying, what are you going to say? Okay, I'll say it with you. One, two, three. No, it was just an excitement, an abundance of joy, recognizing, here comes this king, Hosanna, blessed be the the name of the Lord. I mean, they were worshiping, and they were celebrating the coming in of the king. Wow. And no wonder they were saying these things. If you look in your scripture, you see a little reference Um, uh, talking about when they were talking about the the colt and the donkey of how they went down. And and it references the Old Testament prophecy of this exact event happening. And the Old Testament prophecy is, is seen in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And this is what it says. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Man, it was already proclaimed in Old Testament scripture, which is why you look at the Pharisees, and we'll get to them in just a minute, and these are the guys who are supposed to be the religious leaders. These are the guys who are supposed to know the Old Testament scriptures better than anybody, and even they missed it. But peace had come. That's actually what one of the things that was shouted here in Luke. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest was shouted when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the name itself, meaning fountain of peace. Jesus riding in on a colt, Jesus riding in on a, on a young donkey was also a symbol of peace. In these times and in these Day and age when a king would ride into a city such as this. They would be riding a war horse. Or they would be riding some type of mighty steed or something. They might be in a chariot. They would be coming into a city to kind of declare who they were, the type of king they were, a reflection of their power or might. They might even, a lot of times, depending on what they were riding or how they entered a city, declare their intent in that city. And it was actually historical truth, not because of what Jesus did, but it was historical truth that if a king ever rides into a city on a donkey, that the symbolism that was being portrayed here was that he was coming in peace. Peace had come to the city whose name was Fountain of Peace, riding on a donkey symbolizing peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, had come into the city, had arrived in Jerusalem, and was bringing peace. So I want us to take another minute to hit the pause button, and I want you to discuss the answer to this question. What does Jesus have to do with peace? Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. There are, there's more than one answer here, and please don't just regurgitate what we just talked about about the donkey and jesus being the prince of peace but answer this question what does jesus have to do with peace hit the pause button and take a minute and discuss it with those you're with did you get some good answers when we talk about jesus and jesus being peace And Jesus being the prince of peace. And then pulling out the elements in this passage of Jesus coming into the city. And we see the the running theme of peace behind who he is and what he was doing. And how he was being portrayed. You think about the much bigger picture of how we have peace in Christ. And even in our day and age, even with this backdrop of COVID-19. That we the church can still have peace together. Even though it's, it was announced this week that it's going to be a little bit longer before we can gather together and uh, for the month of April that we're going to continue having our, our gathering times like this online, uh, that we still have the opportunity to gather. And, and that in itself, because we gather around the word of God and the presence of God gives us peace. But I want us to go back to this beautiful picture of Jesus triumphantly entering into the city of Jerusalem. You know, for the first time, for the first time in this earthly life, this is what's so significant to me about Palm Sunday. The first time in the life of the earthly life of Jesus, he was celebrated and he was adored and he was magnified and he was treated as a king should be treated. Now we have pockets of pictures of worship All throughout his ministry we even go back to the night he was born we see a angelic host declaring Jesus's arrival but they were declaring it to shepherds and and the shepherds yes they came to the manger scene where Jesus was born and they worshiped but it was a small group of them we see pictures of pockets of Jesus's ministry like when Mary uh, got down on her hands and knees and anointed Jesus' feet and, 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 and then washed them with her tears, dried them with her hair. Well, that was worship. But in terms of the, the masses receiving Jesus and worshiping as king, and, and you might be thinking, well, when Jesus' ministry was going on, he had a large following. He really did. There was a lot of people that followed him. He would attract a, a large crowd when he, when he would proclaim the word of God or when he would heal or, or, or touch people. But they were really just there to see the show. For many of them chose not to believe. But this is where we see Jesus being treated as the king that he is. People were taking their cloaks off and laying them on the road so that the donkey Jesus was riding on wouldn't even get his feet dirty. There were people, maybe they had already used their cloak. Maybe they didn't have a cloak. They were going off to the sides of the road and they were cutting off branches Uh, of from palm trees a lot of it was a common thing was they would get the branches from palm trees and they would wave them in the air they would lay them onto the road again so the donkey's feet wouldn't even get dirty because he was carrying this king that they were declaring and they were shouting these worshipful beautiful words blessed is the king they were shouting hosanna they were shouting peace has come Finally, for once in his earthly lifetime, Jesus was being treated as a king. Sadly, while it was, excuse me, the first and only time Jesus was treated as an earthly king, it would be the last on earth. The only time Jesus was treated as a king in his earthly life. The crowds would go from shouting, Hosanna, to just a matter of a few days shouting, Crucify. We see the hearts of man, even as Jesus is riding in, in verse 39, where we talked about the Pharisees. or referenced them earlier. And look at this in verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. There's an exclamation point there. They were being adamant. They were being demanding of Jesus to tell them to be quiet so while we see the masses while we see Jesus in this beautiful triumphant entry coming in on this Palm Sunday and we see people worship and celebrate and treat Jesus like the king that he is not everybody was on board and they were shouting teacher rebuke them tell them to be quiet make them silent even when Jesus was finally getting what he deserved not everybody was eager to join in so let me ask you this question and get ready to pause because i want you to discuss this with the people in the room and here's the question i want to ask you why do you think the masses would turn on jesus so radically in such a short period of time and again pay attention to the question why do you think okay Feel free to use scriptural references, but just in your opinion, he goes from Palm Sunday being treated and celebrated and worshiped as a king to just a few days later, they just radically, the people, the crowds, if you will, they turn against Jesus. Why do you think the masses would turn on Jesus so radically in such a short period of time? I want you to hit pause and discuss this with those who are gathered with you. It probably gave you some insight to just hear what other people think, to to consider all of the different angles of why people went from hosanna to crucify in just a matter of days. I want you to look at Jesus' response to the Pharisees when they demanded that Jesus tell his followers to to be silent. When he demanded him rebuke them, Jesus said this in verse forty. He says, "I tell you this." If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. It's it's an amazing passage of Scripture because it's pointing to the fact that all of creation has one purpose, and that is to bring glory to God the Father. Psalms 150, verse 6 says this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then he even says it again, praise the Lord. And you might hear that verse and be like, well, rocks don't have breath, Justin. That's true, but rocks are creation. And that's what Jesus was insinuating here. Hey, if, if these people who, who were following me, if they choose to remain silent and declaring my, my majesty, the rocks will cry out in their place. I don't know about you, church. I, I've been called dumb as a brick, but I'm a little bit smarter than a rock when it comes to what and who I should give my worship to. I hope we all are in united and in unison of saying I will not let a dumb, mindless rock bring more glory to God than me choosing to every single day. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul writes this. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When Jesus looks at them in verse 40 and says, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He is He's making a profound statement that that's easily looked over because he he, verse 41 and following he goes on into the city and, and man his heart's broken for the city because he knows what he's riding into he he's known it uh since luke 9 when he says man he started making his way towards jerusalem but it's a profound statement that he is saying here everything glorifies god Everything should have a desire to bring glory to God. And if people choose not to worship, if people choose not to bring glory to God, then the stones and just simple creation that has been here long before we have been here will take our place in bringing glory and worship and honor to God. Hmm. Everything exists to praise the Lord. And to glorify him in all we do. And that's where sinful man falters so easily. As we forget that. And we replace God with the things we choose to give glory and honor to. But I'm just thankful that on Palm Sunday we can look at this passage of scripture and say, You know, even if it was for one day, the people got it. They got it. They were magnifying the name of the Lord. Jesus was rolling into their city, and they responded with praise. But they lost it real quickly. What about us? It's easy to sit back and look at Palm Sunday and think, man, it's Palm Sunday. We're we're going into Holy Week. Uh, We remember the day that Jesus was glorified and magnified and rode into the city and And we see this beautiful picture of worship and Jesus getting to be treated the only time, the only only time he gets to be treated as a king. Do we get it? They got it for a moment and then they walked away from it. Is that like us? Do we get it? Do we get that Jesus is the peace, the only peace that we have in the middle of pandemics in the middle of loss in the middle of heartbreak in the middle of uh, whatever crisis we're facing do we get it that Jesus is the only peace or do we proclaim it once on a Sunday and then we go out and we're still trying to figure out how to solve our problems on our own we, we go out and we start leaning on other things we rely on substances to get us through it we rely on the wisdom of man or The foolishness of man if you know what God's word says about the wisdom of man the foolishness of man and try to build our lives around that do we do we face these existential crises that we look at and we leave the peace of Jesus behind because we're so committed to figure it out on our own do we get it Do we magnify the name of Jesus when we gather in this place, whenever we gather in this place, where we lift up the name of Jesus and when we walk out the door and put put our palm branches just back down in the trash and say, all right, now that that's done, let's go figure out how to solve these problems. Do we recognize that Jesus is the only peace, that the peace that comes through Jesus is the only thing that is restoring our relationship with God the Father? Do we get it? Do we get that not long after this moment, Jesus would willingly lay down his life? Would willingly sacrifice his life to take the punishment for my sin, for your sin? Do we get that? Do we get that Jesus, the offer of redemption that comes only through his blood? Not from our choice or our good, good choices or our lifestyle or being a good person. The only hope we have comes through the blood of Jesus. That is the peace that is made between God Jesus Himself. Do we get that Jesus was the peace treaty sent by God between God and man? Do we get it? Or are we still trying to figure it out on our own? Do we still want to rebuke those who get it? Be like, man, we just tone it down with your Jesus speech right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. All right, maybe I just lost my job or maybe I got laid off or maybe I can't go and and take care of my family members who are older or family members who are sick and here I am stuck in this moment. Just take it easy on the Jesus stuff. Do you still believe he is the only peace? And do you still magnify him? Do you still shout Hosanna? Do you still shout glory to God in the highest? Do we get it? They got it. It is just for a very little bit. What about us? Do we praise Jesus on Sundays? Do we praise Jesus when we're with our Christian friends? Do we praise Jesus every night at 8 o'clock with our flashlights in our driveway? Do we give him our devotion? Do we treat him as a king? And then turn around and lose it and leave it behind? Palm Sunday was the only time that jesus while on this earth was treated like the king that he was the only time the masses would worship him that he would be exalted that he would be lifted up above everyone else and be honored and magnified this is the only time can the same be said about your worship When you think about your relationship with Jesus, when you think about your testimony, was the only time Jesus was truly lifted high and magnified in your life was the day you gave your life to him? When you think about your relationship with Jesus and you've Put it in the context of your everyday life, whether it's your job, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your ability to be a parent, whether it's ability to be a friend. When you put Jesus in the context of realistically how we should be wrapping the context of our lives around who Jesus is and our lives. Have we just treated Jesus as one of those only time moments like this? Like we see in scripture, the only time he got to be received as king, when is the only, are we still the same way that there's an only time that we let Jesus be king of our lives? The only time we let Jesus be king is when we gather with our church family. The only time we let Jesus be king is when we're hurting or when we're dealing with heartache. The only time we let Jesus be king is when we're facing COVID-19. The only time we let Jesus be king is when sports are canceled. The only time when we let Jesus be king is when the whole world has stopped and I got nothing else left. Maybe that's why it happened for some of us. When's the only time Jesus has been king of your life? Maybe he, he's never been king of your life. Maybe through all of this time of isolation, you're starting to come to grips and starting to realize, and the only relationship I had with Jesus was when I walked in a building I'm surrounded by people that claimed that they did have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never, maybe it's not an only time, maybe there's never been a time where you have truly come face to face with your sin and recognized that what Jesus did on the cross, when he willingly laid down his life, just a few days after the events that we read about here, and he laid down his life as a sacrifice saying, I pay the price for the sins of Justin. I pay the price for the sins of fill in the blank with your name. I pay the price for these sins, Father, so that they may be known by you, that they may know you and be loved by you through this act of peace. Maybe maybe it's time that you recognize Jesus is king, whether you acknowledge him or not. Maybe this time you're realizing there's been a whole lot of rocks taking my place, giving him exaltation and praise when it should have been me. And you don't have to be in a church building to give your life to Christ. You don't have to walk an aisle. You just have to come before God himself and say, God, I got it. I am a sinner. And it was my sin that put Jesus On the cross. It was my sin that Jesus chose to lay his life down so that his blood can cover my sin and therefore be the peace treaty between me and you, God. God, I admit that my sin is what put Jesus on the cross. And God, I also accept the sacrifice Jesus made erases my sin. So God, forgive my sin. Will you become Lord and Savior of my life? So that I can belong to yours. So that I can be yours. And not so that I can have that only time of acknowledging Jesus as Lord, but the first time that I acknowledge and hold Jesus high as king of my life. The first of many. What does your worship look like? There are people that are, that are out there. There are people watching right now that have, man, your testimony is amazing in the sense that you've been a follower of Christ for a while. What is your worship? What does your worship look like on a yearly basis? What does your worship look like on a monthly basis? What does worship look like on a weekly or even a daily basis now? Now that it's not forced, not that it's not built in for you anymore when you go sit in a building, what does your worship look like? Can it be defined as a a once-in-a-lifetime moment? Because that's how you treat it. Does your worship look like a the only time each week that you let jesus be king the only time each month that you trust god what does your worship look like what do you see when you think about jesus is he lifted high in your life it's Exciting to celebrate Palm Sunday, but it's also tragic to see the only time Jesus was treated like a king. But let me assure you and affirm you in this church. While this happened on Jesus' earthly ministry, this is not going to be the only time Jesus will be exalted as king. For we know according to God's perfect word that a day is coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. And there's not going to be a group of Pharisees off to the side saying, Jesus, rebuke your followers. There's not going to be a people over on the side of some religious faith. There's not going to be a people over to the side who are atheists. There's not going to be people off to the side saying, oh, y'all need to hush. No, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. This is a preview if it's anything. While it was the only time that Jesus in his earthly ministry got to enjoy it, it won't be the last time. And it won't be the last time coming out of every single one of our mouths. My question to you today is, will that be the only time you profess Jesus is Lord is when it's too late? Or will we be a people that shout Hosanna? Not once a year, Not during Holy Week, not on Palm Sunday, but our lives will echo. Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Will that, will that be your worship? Will that be your worship? So this morning as we conclude, I'm not going to close this in prayer or anything. I'm going to close us by asking you one last question. And what I want you to do is discuss this question with your family. And when y'all are done discussing it, someone in your family, close in prayer. And that will conclude our time together today. But in context of your worship, I want you to honestly answer this question with the people you're with or just between you and God, if you're there by yourself. I want you to answer this question. what do you want your worship to be classified as? When it comes to your worship, what do you want your worship? Do you want it to be classified as a a once-in-a-lifetime thing? Do you want your worship to be classified as the only time we did this was when so-and-so was sick or so-and-so was going through a hard time? Do you want your worship to be classified as a everyday Hosanna of lifting Jesus high and acknowledging this king church let's don't let Easter be the only time we lift Jesus high as our king I want you to take a few minutes and answer this question and pray together I look forward to seeing you this coming Thursday night at 7pm on our live stream for our Monday Thursday service I love you, I miss you I look forward to celebrating the resurrected King together. But right now, take a few moments and answer this question. And when you're done, close in prayer. Thank you for your time today.